Brian Gutekunst, not on the podium to talk. Doesn't have to. In fact, the next time he's scheduled to talk is after the season. <laughs> uh, GM, that's got to be a hell of a job, man. You get to, you literally get to construct and design everything, and then when it comes time to answer and pay the piper, I'm not doing that. I don't have to do that. Uh, I'll throw my other guys with the wolves. All right, so, uh, Rowdy, Brian Gutekunst obviously has now become public enemy number one uh, with the Green Bay Packer fan base with his you know inactivity. Does he deserve to be public enemy number one? Does his roster construction these past couple of years through the draft and yada, yada, yada warrant people to be mad at him? Like, is it is it a message to he's sending to the team to be like, hey, I believe in this team. I believe in this group of guys. You're the players I selected. Now go get it done. Is it a bad thing or a good thing? Well, I, I've been saying this for, what, probably almost two weeks now that I don't think Goody is public enemy number one. On, on kind of like the pecking order of some of the coaching staff, Aaron Rodgers, Brian Gutekunst. I actually think Brian Gutekunst is towards the bottom of that pecking order. I think, I think clearly number one is Matt LaFleur. He's the head coach and just below him is Joe Barry. Then I would go with Brian Gutekunst, then an Aaron Rodgers. Well, the reason why is look at, look at what Brian Gutekunst has done. He has had the roster turnover since 2018 that only Packer fans could have dreamed of. Like this was a really bad roster outside of Aaron Rodgers being peak Aaron Rodgers yeah. and a few other really good players. The rest of the depth in the roster was terrible. And mm-hmm. you saw that in the games against the Falcons. You saw that in some of those games towards the end of big Mike's tenure with the Packers. They weren't very good outside of a handful of players. No, Yeah. I mean, T- Ted Thompson really stuck to the draft and develop. And once he developed someone, he'd send them off and then he'd just go back to the draft. And then maybe got a guy from a D three college. Like Goody made the team way more, way more deep than what they were. Then you look at the team that he has constructed since 2019, since basically Matt LaFleur took over as head coach they've won 13 games every single year you would say that these were some of the better defenses that green bay has seen correct Mm -hmm. these these are some of the best defenses that green bay has seen since that super bowl and that was goody not ted thompson yeah now well the other thing that i would say about that is he brought back the exact same team essentially that they had the last couple years outside of like the zadarius smiths or the Devonte Adams. Devonte didn't want to stay. Everyone that's like, well, they could have paid for Devonte. He didn't want to stay. He turned down yeah. more money. Uh, so that's uh, that point right there is just dumb. It's null and void. Anyone that says that, like, oh, they uh, Devonte this Devonte, the Packers offered him more guaranteed money than the Las Vegas Raiders. Devonte said thanks, but no thanks. I want to go play for the, my childhood dream team. And with my best friend in Derek Carr yeah. and for Goody to get a first and a second for a Raiders team that was on paper, not going to be super good average. He ended up doing pretty well. He got a first and a second round pick. Yeah. Now we know that the draft is crap shoot. So we'll, we'll see how those first and second round <laughs> picks end up being, mm-hmm. but well, so far <laughs> results aren't great, <laughs> but we'll see. I mean, they've played not even quite halfway through of their first football season, yeah. but again, Goody's hands were kind of tied too. Remember all the, all the fans wanted him to bring back a Devonte Adams. They wanted him to bring back guys like Devondre Campbell, Rasul Douglas, yep. him bringing back those guys, which he did. 
he didn't have a ton of other options to do anything else because of the salary cap hell that that team was currently in. Now, some would argue, hey, Brian Gutekunst helped create some of that salary cap issues with the signing of Aaron Rodgers and some of the signings. But I think overall, when you look at his signings from 2018 on, They've been pretty damn good. And we'll talk about it coming up. I just uh, put this, I'm going to put a Twitter poll out today. As uh, our guy Roger in Stowe says, no, it's not Goody, it's not LaFleur. Joe Barry is public enemy number one. Well, I know a lot of people are hacked off of Aaron Rodgers as well. So I have four options. I'm going to put it out there. Who currently is public enemy number one for the Green Bay Packers? Matt LaFleur, Aaron Rodgers, Brian Gutekunst, or Joe Barry? I'm going to hit submit. Right well, here. like real quick. Good morning, RJ. Morning. When you look at some of the players that Goody has signed and or have pulled off of practice squads and essentially signed, like who's bad outside of Jimmy Graham? A lot a lot of the offensive line that he grabbed over the years, like the Rick Wagner's former Wisconsin Badger, played pretty damn well when he was a guy that was towards yeah. towards the end of his career. Yeah. Billy Turner, yeah. pretty serviceable. Like the Smith brothers, they were both good. Mm-hmm. I mean, Devondre Campbell out of nowhere. Rasul Douglas out of nowhere. Yeah. Like overall, he has done pretty well signing. He didn't have any money to do so. No. He he had to retain. Imagine if he would have let Devondre Campbell walk or he would have let Rasul Douglas walk and then that would have slightly changed their draft, I'm sure. You would have had fans screaming, how could you let Devondre Campbell go? That was our best inside linebacker since Nick Barnett. Yep. Well, our they guy screaming. Our guy, uh, the president, the Wanakee chapter, president of the Mike Boonholzer fan club, Beamer Bobby says this is the easiest pick of the century. It's Joe Barry by a mile. So I'll go get your Bob. I'll, I'll use my one of my burners to vote for you. You know why I, I said Matt Twitter. Lafleur though, and defended Goody, and I didn't bring up Joe Barry. The only reason why Joe Barry wouldn't be number one on my list is because you've had Matt Lafleur sit there at press conferences and straight up say. Hey, we're not changing our oh, defensive no, not scheme. Happening. Not happening. Like the head coach is the one that has overall say, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. He can tell Joe Barry, we're changing things. Go, but I don't care what you come up with when no, you look at your that. game plans. We're not, we're not doing that. It, it ain't working. Different. We need to change that. something. No, 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 no. So you got to hold the floor accountable because he's not holding Joe Barry accountable for his crappy work. And then you could say, well, is Mark? And then I heard this yesterday. Do the Packers actually need a, an owner? to hold people accountable instead of a board of directors and, you know, Mark Murphy focus on a sledding hill. A lot of stuff to get well, to real quick. If we're on to look at an owner well, thing, do you well, think we can say that for later? Do you, do you think Jerry Jones really goes down and says, I don't like this DC. You're gone. He's more, he's more on the coach's ass. Yeah. Which is, I think, correct. Be on the floor's ass. So he goes, there's a and chain of command. It. Damn yes. it. I wrote, you said Matt LaFleur, a public enemy. Number one. Because he's the overseer of it. Yeah, like, well, one, I, I can't get to Aaron Rodgers. Because Aaron Rodgers, even if even if he was a problem, this team has so many different problems. How can you say that's the reason why they're losing? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, there's no way I could ever get to Aaron Rodgers unless he all of a sudden, I don't know, started playing like poop. poop the worst quarterback in the NFL. But right, anyways. Who, who would you vote in this, Arge? Arge. Um. Uh, I'd have to go with Matt LaFleur. Matt LaBum, LaDud, LaFraud, LaFool. We've talked about it. He's defended Joe Barry and the scheme Joe Barry has, and not everybody's going to be happy with the scheme. How are you happy with the scheme? How how can you sit there and be like, yeah, I'm cool with the $21 million man and Jair Alexander not covering the best wide receiver on the field? Game in and game out. 
And of the people on the list, it's a lot easier. I, I feel like of the four people on the list, there's no way you can ever get to Aaron Rodgers on this vote unless you just hate him. Precisely. Um, in my opinion, there's no way that I can get to Brian Gutekunst because Brian Gutekunst has improved the roster. He basically kept the roster intact the best he could. And for the most part, a lot of people wanted him to re-sign those players, and they were happy with what Brian Gutekunst did in the winter. They were happy with what he did in the draft, though that, again, the draft is a crapshoot. No one exactly knows what every single prospect's going to be. No. People on paper loved his draft. Even the experts, a lot of Packer fans. I myself like this draft a lot. Yep. It hasn't translated to the field yet, but you're halfway through a rookie season. Mm-hmm. And I don't think anyone was upset with anything that Brian Gutekunst had done, especially retaining the team that was supposed to be coming back and being a you know top favorite from the NFC to be in the Super Bowl. I, no one was bitching about Brian Gutekunst going into the season saying this team sucked. No, and no. it's the exact same players. They're like, oh, now, we're retaining the team. What's yeah, what is the, the one thing that they complained about about Brian Coons? He didn't get a receiver. Yeah, wide receiver. The wide receiver room sucked. That's it. Other than that, it leaves you two choices: Lafleur or Barry. The Green Bay Packers. We're talking public enemy number one. So it, this started, you know, uh, obviously throughout the season. There's a lot of people that are a lot angry at a lot of individuals for the Green Bay Packers. The biggest, the, the four culprits that everyone's pissed off at, hacked off at, Matt LaFleur, Aaron Rodgers, Joe Barry, and Brian Gutekunst. Now, I want to hear from Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur. So, Brian Gutekunst obviously did nothing for the trade deadline. Didn't sell, he didn't buy, he just stood bad. In fact, did you see Kylan Hill got activated? And yep. um, no, 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 no. who else got off of IR? I saw the Kylan Hill news, which that was all to be expected because you wouldn't have taken him off IR roughly three weeks ago if he wasn't coming back healthy. Plus that timeline, he tore up his knee. I believe it was in early to mid November. So he was closing in on about a year. So that, that totally made sense. Yeah. So LaFleur, so Brian Gutekunst didn't, he, Brian Gutekunst, the GM's not scheduled to talk till after the season. Now he could get up there and, you know, talk, but he's like, ah, that's not for me. Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers, though, they got to get up there and talk. LaFleur was asked, you know, on the focus uh, his focus on the team, and if he's disappointed the Packers didn't make a move. When I'm up there, it's like, what are we doing to put our team in the best position possible to go game plan and put our guys in the spot to go execute and be a team that we know is going to give us everything they can. And we've struggled at Ford Field many times. And this is a, a really good offense, and they play extremely hard in, in all three phases. I mean, that's where my focus is. So he's not focused on, you know, the guy out there buying the ingredients. He's focused on making the meal. Was that 2019 or 2020 where Matt LaFleur beat the Lions both both games but um, did not? I think it was his first year. It did not have a lead until the end of the game in both of them. Yeah, 2019. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. Uh, LaFleur was also asked, like, what's the message, if any, to the players about not making any moves? We didn't even get into that. Our focus was on Detroit. And, again, an NFC North opponent who's averaged 35 points a game at home. And they're one of the top offenses in the league. Got a lot of familiarity with a lot of their players. And so it's going to be a, a great challenge. So, Rowdy, I mean, LaFleur is literally like, I'm not focused on that. Don't ask me about it. I'm not going to talk about it because it's not my job. 
to do so. Well, I agree with him on in that sense. Same. And, and the reason being is he's supposed to coach the players that he has. Yes. He's supposed to come up with a scheme and run an offense surrounded with the players that he's given. So yeah, all those all those questions when asking about the roster and potential moves, wouldn't you say that he should be probably somewhat on the same level, maybe slightly higher than a guy like Aaron Rodgers? Oh, yeah, like, totally. They should go to Gutekunst and say, hey, I'd like a receiver because we want to do this. Or Aaron Rodgers yeah. could go to Gutekunst and say, hey, I want one playmaker so that we can do these type of things. Yeah. I 100% get that. But after the trade deadline is coming gone, what's Matt LaFleur going to say to you? Not nothing. Hey, you know, I wanted no, a wide I'm receiver. Ma- I'm sad and disappointed and mad. I'm going to go cry about it in the corner. I mentioned to Brian Gutekunst that, you know, maybe we'd like a receiver or a playmaker, and then he didn't do anything with it, but this is the team that I it's have. Like, hey, man, I went to Brian Gutekunst's office. I cried in the corner. He still didn't do it. What do you want me well, to this do? Is, I did my best. This is why you'd like a guy like Brian Gutekunst to step up to the podium after yeah, the trade totally. deadline, especially when there was a lot of questions in the Packers' trade deadline like are they going to buy are they going to sell are they going to stand pat i think anyone could probably make an argument for either three yes that they could have done any of the three well they stood pat and now and then brian gutekunst throws lafleur and rogers of the wolves yeah like to answer for it you even said earlier when we were talking about this ryan poles of the of the chicago bears he did a presser presser now the bears they sold and they bought but like, it's nice to know the state of your organization or your yeah. team and why you kind of did the thing. Even if Brian Gutekunst stepped up there and said, "You know what? We were in every single conversation." <laughs> was what he would say. We we thought we were close on getting a couple guys, but it didn't work out. You know, we wanted to add a receiver. But we're confident in the guys we have. But yeah, you would you would at least. T- to quote Paul Christ, appreciate that. <laughs> instead, here's Ra- instead so, of not being, you're in the dark now. Yeah. You're like, what the hell happened? Well, Rodgers was given a little more say. Remember when Rodgers was like, if I come back, I want, you know, players treated a little better, especially on their way out. I want to have a little say in how this team is constructed. And Goody, you know, extending the olive branch was like, okay, here you go. So Aaron Rodgers has a little say, obviously. And he was asked, Rodgers was yesterday, on not getting a trade done. Obviously, the compensation or whatever players that we were going after it just didn't make sense. So I trust Brian, and uh, we had some good conversations. Uh, know that we were, you know, in on some things, and it obviously just didn't uh, didn't pan out. All right, Brian Kudukus is like, all right, Aaron, here's what's going to happen. I'm not going to make any moves. Sorry, I'm going to activate Colin Hill though. And when they ask you, here's what I want you to say: We were in on every conversation, and it just didn't work out. Rogers like, okay, I'll be a company man. Then Rogers was asked more about Brian Gutekunst, uh, you know, not making a deal and you know, was it worth the price? Yeah, or nay. That just sends a message to us that we got to play with the guys we got and, and win with the guys we got. And I think there's still a lot of confidence in the guys in the locker room. I do feel like we need to get healthy, you know, when we're at our full strength, which we really haven't been this season, whether it's been Dave, you know, not playing early in the season and Eld not playing early in the season. We haven't kind of had the 11 that we thought we were going to play with for extended time. So when we get those guys, I feel like, you know, we got the team uh, to get the job done. See, I'm like, I half agree with what he's saying with what Brian Gutekunst said, and I half disagree on some things. So, like, where I agree is they haven't been healthy. No. Like, this team, when you just talk about the receiver position, 
I think there's only been one guy that's played in every single game for the Green Bay Packers. At the, yeah, and it's Romeo, Romeo Dobbs, Dobbs, a fourth round pick. That's the only guy that's been in and available for every single game so far in nearly what is the first half of the season. Yeah. So yeah, they've had injuries. I mean, you can look at the offensive line. How many times have they been able to trot out the same exact offensive line with the same exact guys Playing the same exact positions, <laughs> not very often. It's been musical chairs. Yep. So, yeah, there is a thing where they haven't been able to stay healthy. Now, the caveat to that is there's no guarantee that you ever get healthy. Nope. I mean, like, the NFL, you're never healthy. And the other, like, remember, was it 2019 and 2020 where we continually talked about the Green Bay Packers and how they didn't have any injuries? I think it was 2019 again. And it was it was two years in a row where it's yeah. like they hardly had any injuries. And then you saw some of the teams around them kind of starting to crumble with big time injuries. And you're like, man, everything's starting to break this, the way for the Packers. Yeah. Now, obviously it didn't. Obviously that team was a little soft on defense, but... They were they they escaped the injury bug in nineteen and twenty, and then all of a sudden twenty twenty one, they really didn't. Mm-hmm. And remember, Zadarius Smith went back for a, with a back injury. I mean, they had a decent amount of Jair Alexander went down with the shoulder injury. Yep. Aaron Rodgers had COVID, and then according to the media, COVID toe <laughs> um, just stubbed it on something. But you, but you get what I'm going. Like yeah. all of a sudden, more injuries started popping up, and now this season. A lot of guys COVID have got. Remember that dumb stuff? That was so stupid. <laughs> I had to drop that in there. COVID. But toe. then, uh, what are losers? But yeah, now you're now all of a sudden the first two years you were pretty. You had a pretty clean bill of health, and now the second two years the injuries are starting to pile up, and it's affecting your team. But that's also where I kind of d- disagree. You're not 100 percent guaranteed to ever get healthy. Yeah. If anything, the, yeah, the NFL. If anything, you're probably more likely to have more players get hurt as you're playing more and more games. Mm -hmm. Now, the thing that I also disagree with is, yeah, this is the team that you have. And and I've been saying this for two, three weeks now, this team has the ability to get better on paper. They're not playing anywhere near as good as they should be talent wise or anything. So, but it can't hurt your team to go out and get better players. Like, you know what I mean? No, yeah. Like it'd be a spark, a little shot in the arm. Like imagine the Milwaukee Brewers. And we kind of compared the Brewers. Imagine if they didn't trade Josh Hader, but they went out and they they got like, some of the Matt Bushes of the world, or they added small pieces here and there. You could say that you know maybe they didn't make a, sma- a splash move, but they at least went out and made their team better by acquiring yeah. a couple of those yes, bullpen yes. arms. Which we all figure that in a Brewers off season they'd go out and get a you know a couple arms here and there just for the uh, the length of the season and for depth. You would still make the argument that you somewhat made the team better. Well, we know yeah, you're trying. We know what the Brewers ended up doing. They didn't do that. Yeah. Well, if the Brewer or the Brewers, if the Packers even went out and grabbed like an Elijah Moore or grabbed a Chase Claypool, gave up a little bit of draft so, capital. But would you say a second round pick is crazy for Chase Claypool? Absolutely no, not. not at all. And even if it made your team that right now everyone thinks at best the way they're playing and how <clears> the health is, you're like a nine and eight team. Even if that made you like a, I don't know, a ten and seven team. Or an eleven and five be team, just because of the boost and that you got a playmaker, you at least can say that you tried when and you're that's in what this. I'll be all about. Yeah, when you're in this window with Aaron Rodgers at the end of his career, where you look at his contract, say, "Well, we got this year 
and there's nothing guaranteed, yep. but looking at it, maybe we get two more years after this. Now, on this same vein, Rowdy, um, obviously they're going to stay with the players that they like have. The Brewers, right? They have the same players that they have. Uh, Rodgers was talking about 2016. I didn't really go out and acquire anyone because they never acquire anyone. So Rodgers was asked about, you know, on the turnaround in the 2016 season. Here's number 12. Sometimes you say things to try and get a reaction, get an energy adjustment, even if you're maybe not 100% certain that's going to happen. And there's timely moments for those things. I believed it was possible. Did I think it was going to happen? You know, maybe not 100%, but I knew it was possible. And I knew if we just started believing in each other in a different way that it was possible. And I think that's what just needs to happen with these guys is when we start expecting to win and not hoping to win, things can change a little bit. All right, so on winning, now run the table comments, obviously, and they did just that. And look at the end. Of, they made it the NFC Championship game, but look at the roster that they that, that Ted Thompson at the time of construction. It was pretty bare. Let me ask you a question. Some of the receivers are a little better, but... We talk about the Brewers and their window to win. We talk about the Packers and their window to win. Out of those two teams, wouldn't you say when, who would you say people freaked out more about, the Packers or the Brewers for what they did at the deadlines? Uh, Brewers. I mean, Josh Hazel. Now let me ask you another question. Okay. Which team do you think has a larger window of winning with somewhat the same roster? The Brewers or the Packers? I would say the Packers. I would agree. They have you have you have no guarantee that Aaron Rodgers will be there after the season. Mm-hmm. But if you look at his contract, you can kind of say, well, it looks like probably two years. Yeah. The Milwaukee Brewers. I know that next year is the last year of their window, and they sold the their <laughs> second to last year of their window like for nothing. Also, people that bitch about Aaron Rodgers, they're bitching about his contract. Mm-hmm. Imagine this. The Brewers and Christian Yelich, that contract is more of a bitch and an anchor than Aaron Rodgers, and the Brewers don't have an effing salary cap. Yeah, think of that. And and, and, and it's for, what, seven more years? And they, Six, they, closed, more years? they closed their window on their, themselves and yeah. traded away oh a player. Oh, my God. Now, the, the Packers didn't add, but still, that's a team that they they're not selling when they're still predicted to be like no. a playoff team. So I mean, I'm not I would have liked to see receiver. But so, what I'm saying same, is totally what Brian Gutekunst has done and and what the Packers have done versus what the Brewers did on these same type of windows and timelines with bad contracts and older players and blah blah blah. Mm. The Brewers are a hundred times more egregious. Yeah. And no salary cap like you said. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That contract that Yelich is way is worse brutal. than anyone bitching about Aaron Rodgers, and they don't have a salary yeah. cap. They could go spend two hundred million dollars. Yeah. Now they wouldn't, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah. All right, Rob Reichel coming up. One more comment from Rodgers before we hit break and get to Robbie. So I I don't think thirteen wins is plausible for the Packers anymore. Well, wouldn't you say so, that if they sold, that they would be basically closing the window of Rodgers? If you sold off, there's no yeah, way. Totally, you, there's be, no it's way, the white flag. You're done. Yeah, there's no way you could really rebuild this team to the yeah, to you're a done. Super Bowl you're done. contender in the, a year or two. The Brewers, and, the Brewers shut their own window. And Rodgers could also say, "Well, now that you sold, I don't want to play here, or I'm retiring." Yeah. The, the the Packers in theory have not closed their window. The Brewers basically yeah, the Brewers did, did, unless they do something tremendous so this offseason. One last clip here from Rogers. Uh, Packers won thirteen in their each last three seasons, right? And why has this year been such a struggle? Listen to what Rogers says. Think about it. Then we'll talk to Rob Reichel and we'll get back to the comment from Rogers. Uh, here, here, take a listen of why you know thirteen 
games they've won last three seasons. Why has this year been a struggle? Well, you got to learn how to win again every year. Can't you know line up and say, oh, we won 13 the last three years. We're going to mow these guys down. It just doesn't happen in this league. The league is deep and margin of victory is very slim. So we got to play a little bit better and have a couple of those plays go our way and, and hopefully we'll come out uh, with a W. They have to learn how to win again. Think of that. Learn how to win again. This song right here is called Nobody's Fault But Mine by Led Zeppelin. Ooh. Oh, yeah, I know. Oof. Big oof, Robbie. Nobody's Fault But Mine. I would look at Brian Gutekunst and uh, say, this is uh, in honor of you, Goody. Robbie! Forbes.com, Conley Media. What's up, brother? How are you, my friend? I'm a little perturbed with <laughs> the trade deadline. But, but other than that, I'm great. Yourself? Uh, I'm, I'm terrific. I, I think I'm better than Brian Gutekunst and uh, most of the people at 1265 right now who are getting crucified again because of uh, another trade deadline that came and went. And, you know, Goody put out the lights at noon and went off to Chile. So. <laughs> now, Rob, how long have you been covering the Green Bay Packers? Since uh, 2001. How many, like, times have you seen, how many times since 2001? Sorry to interrupt. How many times have you seen them make a move at free agency? The trade deadline. I don't ever remember them adding a piece of significance. You know, about four years ago when when they were bad in 2018, Evo, you remember they got rid of HaHa Clinton Dixon, Ty Montgomery at the deadline, so they sold. But but yeah, I mean, I I was talking with some people yesterday. They, they are the NFL champion of uh, you know the oh they they were in it discussion right the the the, the Packers were in it the Packers were close the Packers. The, the Packers had interest. It's it's always uh, the, it's always the bridesmaid, never the bride. So, when it comes to Tony Gonzalez or Randy Moss or Marshawn Lynch or this year Chase Claypool, in your time they, of covering they, them, they, they're the they just never get that player, guys. Thirteen NFL championships, but in your time, Robbie, they're the twenty-one time champion of never making a move at the trade deadline since you started covering. <laughs> Well, I would even argue, Robbie, they are they, undefeated. They are undefeated, Evo. I would argue they didn't even sell <laughs> in those two seasons that you mentioned with HaHa Clinton Dix and Ty Montgomery. I would say that getting rid of them was probably actually a positive. Well, it was, but they did sell from the standpoint they got draft picks back. I, I think they got a seven on Montgomery and a four or something on on HaHa. I'd have to go and look at it again, Nelly. You know, but but they did pick up draft capital, which which again, what you know, I. And, and I just wrote this last night and, t- and today, guys, at, at Forbes and at Conley is, you know, Gutekunst just seems to be a man right now without a plan. All right, Rob, I, let, I me, let me reset really quick here. So who yeah. currently is public enemy number one for the Packers, LaFleur, Rogers, Goody, Joe Barry? I saw your article, beautiful, amazing article, per usual, at Forbes.com. Here it is. Brian Gutekunst's lack of vision is killing the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, I, I mean, I, everybody you outlined there, I think, is fair, Evo, and I, I'd put Barry probably a two and Lafleur at three, but Gutekunst has to go to the top of the list because, you know, in, in, in the story here, and, and, and I kind of took a bigger picture, Evo, not, not just Tuesday when he let another trade deadline come and go, but, but, but he's been the master flip-flopper here now for the last <laughs> three seasons. You know, he... He, he, he started he started planning for the future in, in April of 2020 when he took Jordan Love. You know, Rodgers kind of changed that narrative a little bit when, when he had an MVP in, in 2020 and uh, threw 48 touchdowns and made Gutekunst kind of rethink that approach. But, but Evo, in the summer of 2021, when Rodgers wanted out of town 
you, you just think of the treasure trove of draft picks that Gutekunst could have landed. Uh, you know, look right now, guys, at what what Seattle got for Russell Wilson, and throw on another one and a two, and and that and that's what Gutekunst would have gotten in the summer of twenty one for for Rogers, and he. And, he, and so he kind of changes his plan of attack, and he and he gives into the Rodgers demands in in 2021. Nine months later, he gives them a new contract, and he says, "Hey, we're all in." Well, if you're all in, even though you're three and five guys, um, you, you look around that NFC. There's only there's only a handful of decent teams right now. Three of them are in the NFC East. Maybe maybe just two of them if you throw out the Giants. The, the the conference isn't very good. If you had a Chase Claypool and a and another piece or something like that, who's to say Green Bay can't be right back in the mix? So he could have stuck with this all in plan, guys that that he's come up with the last uh, couple of seasons, um, or or I guess he could have turned the page, knowing that there's a very good chance Rodgers won't be back now in 2023 if this continues to spiral, and he could have looked to the future, but. But he, but he absolutely stood pat. He did nothing, and and a lot of times, guys, doing nothing is the worst thing to do. Um, it, it gives it gives nobody any hope. It, it it shows no courage or conviction, and 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 no plan of attack whatsoever. And and that's where I think the Packers are right now. They're 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 an organization without a plan. They two two and a half years ago they were looking to the future. Then it was an all in. Now they don't know what the heck to do. And and they're all kind of standing there in, in the middle of the road spinning in circles, looking for which direction to head, and, and I don't think any of them have a clue, Evo. That's what it feels like, doesn't it, Rob? I'm like, we were talking about this all week. Like, they kept kicking contracts down the road, kicking them, you know, can down the road, uh, in this move to keep going all in for the end of Aaron Rodgers. What they've done to the end of Aaron Rodgers' career for Brian Gutekunst, in my opinion, is criminal. He should be brought up on crimes against Packer Nation charges, dude. What he has done for Rodgers is asinine. He, he, he's given them nothing. Well, oh, Kylan Hill was activated. There you go. There's your move, right? Like, well, I, well, I'll just tell you what. Take take Kansas City as the model franchise right now in, in the league, right? And 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 they say, hey, we we can't pay a wide receiver the amount of money that right that Tyreek Hill is going to want to get. So they they ship him to Miami for terrific draft capital, much like Green Bay did with Devontae Adams. And and I had no issues at all with trading Adams because. You've seen there's there's been a there's been a start of of a decline with Adams' career. Once these guys get to 30, it's tough to keep putting up 120 catches and you know being targeted 180 times a year like Adams was the last few in Green Bay. But what does Kansas City do? Right, they, they go out and they add Juju Schuster Smith, and and they already in essence had a one right with with with, with Kelsey. They, they they take MVS from Green Bay, who's playing 74 percent of the snaps, and he's playing pretty good football for them. They already had Hardman. Um, they had Tony the other day. They, they, they draft again. They've got this draft and develop. So, so they fill in accordingly, right? And, and the offense doesn't miss a beat with, with Patrick Mahomes. And, and what does Green Bay do? They, they hitch their way into a bunch of rookies who don't know what they're doing and a bunch of old guys who can't stay on the field. Well, guys, even, even back in April and May when this was all unfolding, we, we all saw the writing on the wall. We, we, we said this on the show almost every single week. This was not going to go well. This was going to be a rough season for Rodgers in the offense. This was, this was so remarkably predictable, um, maybe not to the to the point where they're averaging 17 points a game and it's one of the worst Packer offenses we've seen in, in three decades. But uh, I, I, th- I think we all knew it, it was going to be a struggle. 
Well, Gutekunst had a chance to kind of, you know, plug the plug the leak in the hole a little bit the other day. Uh, you know what, guys? If, if Chicago gets in the mix and says, "Hey, w- w- we're, we're going to give a two, and Pittsburgh thinks that two is better for Chase Claypool than Green Bay's is going to be," then then Gutekunst just has to get back in the mix and say, "Fine, we'll give you a two and a five. We'll give you a two and a six. We'll give you a two and a four. Whatever it turns out to be." Trace the history of his five drafts, drafts guys. These these picks haven't been overly hmm. overly impressive, anyways, right? So if so if you're throwing in an extra five or six for a Claypool, who you can immediately slide into the number one spot in, in your wide receiver group, and now get things aligned accordingly, right? Where where maybe a, a, a Dubs is a two and a Lazard is a three and a Watkins or a Cobb is a four. However however they envision it internally. I mean, let's be honest, they. They've really got a whole bunch of threes and fours is what they have right now on the roster. So, But if you can get a guy who actually draws the attention of somebody else's number one corner and you can slot these other guys in accordingly, now maybe this offense has a chance to take off a little bit. I mean, right now, guys, it, it doesn't. The, what do you mean, Samari Toure? Come on, Rob. The back half of the season does not look promising so, whatsoever. So, Robbie, I actually remember when we were talking about, you know, how much this offense versus defense was going to score versus give up. And I remember, man, this was a long time ago. We were talking about the defense should probably, on paper, only give up 17, 18 points a game. The offense, though it's not going to be anywhere near what it has been under LaFleur, it should probably get to 20, 21 points a game, and that's what we were kind of figuring. It's almost been the exact opposite. (laughs) The defense is giving up 21, 22 points a game, and the offense is the one scoring 17 points a game. Yeah, which is why you're in a four-game losing streak, right? And um, you're you're three and five for the first time since Rodgers has been a starter. The defense has been a colossal disappointment, guys. I don't think anybody can... Okay. Can argue with that. They, they showed some life in the second half of the Buffalo game, but but I, I don't know. That was the Bills' worst game of the year, and and I really I, I you know I, I really think the Bills had kind of cashed in. And, it, 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 and yeah, I feel we'll, like they, we'll they, they took Joe the foot off the gas from here. Yeah, sorry. Okay. Go on. Eva. No, no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm glad you brought that name, Joe Barry, up here. Let me ask you this. All right, the Lions. They have one win on the season. They're hosting the Packers on Sunday. Let's say, God forbid, the Green Bay Packers go to Ford Field and lose to the Lions. Does Joe Barry get fired? Mo Drayton did not get fired last That's, year, guys. So okay. I'm under the I'm under the impression that Matt Lafleur, until proven otherwise, is going to give these guys the entire season. Let me ask you this: to get things corrected and fixed. So if, if if he did not fire Mo Drayton, whose units were far worse than what Joe Barry's have been this year, and Joe Barry's haven't been good. Don't get me wrong; it, 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 it's the biggest disappointment over there this season. Um, but if he didn't fire Mo Drayton in the worst special teams that we've seen in a decade, um, I, I don't think he's going to fire Joe Barry. Let me know. ask you this then, Robbie. Uh, you know how Packer fans are. They they want blood, and right now they want the blood of Joe Barry. They, they, they demand to be quenched, Rob. But how about this? Let's say, you know, God forbid they lose the Lions, but then Sunday, November 13th, it's the return of Big Mike. Mike McCarthy and the boys come to Lambeau Field. God forbid this, too, that the Cowboys just decimate the Packers. Joe Barry's not going to be enough to sacrifice, or you know, the sacrifice of Joe Barry's not going to be enough. Does the seat then get hot for a head coach, Matt Lafleur? We all we just, we didn't think Paul Chris would be fired midseason. He loses to Brett Bielema, Camp Randall. He's fired. What a big Mike and the boys come in, punk the Packers. Are, I don't think he's going to be fired. But does the Matt Lafleur seat get hot then? No, I, I don't think so. I, I think thirty nine and ten and going to a couple of NFC Championship games in his first three years has bought him. 
enough house credit that he's fine, certainly into 2023 and, and maybe beyond that, guys. I, mean, I just say, uh, you know, the whole front office recently got new contracts. So I, I can't imagine they're going to eat all that money. Now, they've, they've got 550 or $600 million of cash reserves. So, I mean, I guess anything over there is, is possible. We, 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 we saw them with a week left or two weeks left in the season back in 05 give Mike Sherman a contract extension and then fire him a week or two later, right, and, and, and have to pay him for a couple, three years down the road until he got that Texas A&M job. So, so anything is always possible, Evo. But I, 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 I think Lafleur is more than safe going in, into next year. I, I think Gutekunst is safe, and that's going to drive people absolutely nuts, um, you know, in the, in the fan base out there. And I, I, I don't know. Well, he's going to have to retool that staff again, though, in the offseason. There, there's no question about it. If uh, if things continue to go south like they have, which which means Joe Barry is probably in big time trouble. All right, Rob, what happens Sunday? Ford Field, <laughs> Lions. What what are we thinking, Robbie? What happens? Yeah, what happens Sunday? Give us your uh, prediction. I think Green Bay throttles them. Ah, this really talking about baby. Yes, yes, Robbie. But by no means, though, does that save the season, Evo? I, <laughs> I, 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 well, if they I, lose, I, I, it's like over. No, it's not over. 100%. If they they lose, the season's over. If if you can't go and win at Detroit, and now your next three games are against the second-best team in the NFC in Dallas, uh, a really good team from the AFC in Tennessee, and then the best team maybe in football, certainly in the NFC in Philly, I I mean, they're going to be fortunate, let's be honest, to win one of those three football games. So they absolutely have to win on Sunday, and and if they can somehow survive that next three game stretch and be five and seven, I mean, I guess there's a chance they can they can get to nine and eight if they they close strong. But uh, no, I I mean the, the the season guys may have been lost here in this last three game window against against Daniel Jones and and Zach Wilson and Taylor Heineke. We they, we all might look back on that when they're eight and nine at the end of the year and say that 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 was that was where it all went wrong. Uh, but but I do you know Detroit Detroit was a seller. They got rid of one of their three or four best players in Hawkinson the other day. I would I would have to think morale in that building was was already low to begin with. I know they they, they play incredibly hard for that head coach and and he's feisty and fiery. But but it's still an atrocious defense, especially in the secondary. Um, I think they found a formula to win football games in Buffalo the other day when they ran for 208 yards. But um, this could be an Aaron Rodgers game. This could be one where, where Dubs has six, seven catches, where uh, Lazard comes back and has five or six himself, where Sammy Watkins has a reasonable game. I just, I, I think Green Bay lights it up this, for the first time all year. Gentlemen, I think they're over 30 points. I'm, I'm going to say 34-20 Green Bay. Oh, Robbie, I, I mean, I agree with you. If they don't win this game, season's 100% over. That's a 10 out of 10 Correct. panic meter. We're done. I mean, this Detroit Lions defense is a sieve. You mentioned how they traded Hawkinson. I mean, Amon Ross St. Brown has a high ankle sprain. DeAndre Stiff, uh, Swift probably won't play. I mean, those are some of their biggest targets and some of their, you know, biggest best skilled players. And they haven't even been playing with them with a terrible defense. If you can't win now, good night. Good night. I, I will say this. Detroit's been really proficient scoring at home. And 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 I know that has Green Bay a, li- a little bit worried, but everything you just outlined there, Nelly, is is, is more than fair. They're they're going to hammer away with Jamal Williams. 
Goff's a below average quarterback. They don't have a ton of weapons left in the passing game. I mean, I I think Hawkinson's an absolute stud. What what a great trade for Minnesota. Um, the kind of trade Packer Nation has wanted for the last twenty years. Like 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 Evo said at the outset of the show. So um, I, I think Green Bay's got more than enough firepower to go in there and, and route them. But but guys, all, all we're gonna be talking about from about three thirty on Sunday is Big Mike coming to Green Big Bay. Big Mike and the boys. Woo! Seven days. Rob, I'm like really excited that for that game. That. Big I'm, Mike. He has nobody's underdog. I don't. Well, will they be an underdog? I'm, I don't know. Oh, Big Mike won't be an underdog when he comes. He's to nobody's underdog, Robbie. I want to no, leave you with won't. this, Robbie. No way, Evo. <laughs> <laughs> we talk about the Packers not making a move, and I could very well see them being nine and eight, eight and nine if they continue to play this way. But yep. the Vikings are six and one, and I don't think I see them winning more than eleven games. Yeah, but that still wins you the division. It wins you the division, but I'm saying if the Packers could actually play up to their. I wouldn't be shocked if the Vikings just pull a Vikings and that's why the purple oh, they N- choke. N- 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 Nelly, I wouldn't be shocked if the Vikings don't win a playoff game because they're the Vikings. <laughs> I would, I, I, I would say that, but but uh, it, 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 it will be next to impossible from this point on. Hey. For somebody to catch them inside that division. Robbie, we love you. In fact, I love you so much. I'm at Forbes.com, Conley Media, Rob Rice on Twitter. I love you so much, Rob, that when I win the Powerball, which is at the $1.5 billion with the B now, I told Rowdy I'd give him a million. I'll give you a million too, okay, Robbie? That's how much I Amen, love you. Amen, brother. That's yep. how much All I love right. you. Well, Rob, with go, inflation. Go up on tickets, somebody. <laughs> with inflation, we're going to want a million five at least. That's fine. <laughs> million five for both of you. Rob. Good, po- good point, Nelly. You're the man, Robbie. Right. See you later, buddy. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. <laughs> See you, Rob. <laughs> To the end zone. Caught. Touchdown. Gasicki. What a drive by Miami. Their third red zone touchdown of the day. It's really hard. You know, typically typically all these games are going to be one score, right? And the teams that have the good records right now are, are on the right side of that, and the teams that don't aren't, and we've been on the wrong side of it. We scored 27 in the first half, and how do we make that? to 40 in the second half or 40 more, you know, whatever it needs to be. Um, You know, our defense, I thought, was doing a pretty good job, and uh, we need to find a way to score one more touchdown and maybe a different game. And there it is. The Lions moved to 1-6 and after that game uh, against the Dolphins. Uh, Lions, very interesting squad. Uh, They play hard for their head coach, Dan Campbell. Uh, They just can't find ways to win. A habitual winner right here, our guy Mike Clemens. Good morning, Mike. Hey pal, how you doing? I'm, I'm doing, Mike. I'm still a little perturbed about the trade deadline and everything, but I'm doing, I'm doing, I'm doing well. Yourself? Uh, you know, I just found out that the uh, lump sum from Powerball goes from like 1.5 to 700 million. What are you going to do? How can you going to live on that? What's the point? Yeah, I know, Mike. I said this. I'm, you know, Aaron Rodgers is talking about manifesting uh, words and how words have power. Uh, yeah. When I win the 1.5 billion dollars, I will take that lump sum and I'll, I'm giving 1.5 to Rowdy over here. I'm giving 1.5 to Rob Reichel. I've given 200 thousand dollars to a listener who called in, and Mike for you. I'll give you a $1.5 million. Thank you, brother. Yeah. Thank you, brother. Why I not? appreciate that. Yeah. Well, then I can upgrade on rooms. Yeah. Yeah. What <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing this. <laughs> well, Mike, for 1.75, just so you can have it, the, uh, the penthouse suite, okay? Yeah, when I, yeah, when I get when I'm at the airport with Hertz, I can, I can get the, the nice big uh, SUV yeah. to show off SUV, yeah. the yeah. Denali. That's, I'll get the Denali. Coming, coming soon, Mike. You just wait. Be patient, okay? So with all the grief that uh, Brian Gutekinds has taken today, was uh, was Reichel on earlier today? Yeah, he was. Yeah. Oh, did you see his? Did you see his column? It's great. Oh, it's man. it's. Oh, I love it. R- <laughs> Robbie just brings the heat. It's awesome. So 
But, you know, it's not much different in, in Detroit. Actually, it's worse because you're one in six. It's year two of your program under Dan Campbell. And not, and not only did you not add a player in the trade, you gave up your first-round draft pick from just three years ago out of Iowa, T.J. Hawkinson, who, you know, they thought when, when they when they got that pick overall, I remember all the analysts saying, oh, man, that guy's he could be a Hall of Famer for Detroit someday. And he's already on his way to the Vikings. Yesterday, he, and he had a, a greeting press conference with the Vikings, and he was already kind of ripping on the Lions, you know, by saying – it's good to be part of a place that understands a winning culture, you know, <laughs> things like that. And so on top of that, Dan Campbell's not only going to deal with that, but, you know, here they're at home against the Dolphins, and they're up 24-17 against the Dolphins. And they're running trick plays, you know, like a, like a fake punt, you know, to, to score again. And then their offense, like it has through much of this season, just goes absolutely cold. And their back end is just horrible. You know, and Tua, Tariq Hill, I mean, forget about Devontae going to the Raiders. Tariq Hill with Miami, he he looks like the best receiver in the NFL. He's making Tua look like a Hall of Famer, and he's unstoppable. So he starts carving them up, and, you know, the back end of the, of the Lions secondary, and they've had some injuries, is not good. So the next day, Dan Campbell fires his defensive back coach and his passing defense coordinator, Coach Aubrey Pleasant. Do you remember Aubrey Pleasant? It was a safety for the Badgers from <laughs> 05 to 08. Like he's in his late 30s now. So Dan Campbell comes in on, on Monday and announces, yeah, we're, we're firing the secondary coach. Really, I mean, this morning, you know, um, thought about it a long time last night. Um, you know, obviously didn't sleep and uh, thought about it some more and then woke up this morning and... Um, and just felt like this was this was a decision we had to make. Did Aubrey do something to? Listen, I, I think that it was all it's all encompassing after seven weeks. It, it just you know with where we're at, um, and uh, there again, I just think something needed to be something needed to change. You know. Do you think that you, you know you have the players? to be successful too. To. I, I do. I mean, I'm still, uh, I still believe in the guys that we have. You know, I, I think that uh, I, I know what we have on the back end, and, uh, and I, think, I think they're good enough to help us compete and win. You know, we, we just, uh, you know, we've got to see if, we can, see if we can get them going even a little bit better. I mean, Dan Campbell, I feel like they really respect him and play for him. I have two questions, Mike. One, do you think he wasn't sleeping not because he was going to fire Aubrey Pleasant? Is because when he first was introduced to the Lions, he said he drinks two 40-ounce coffees with two shots of espresso each day? Like, yeah. Maybe that's the reason he's not sleeping? That might have something to do with or it. Or was it because of Aubrey Pleasant? That might have something to do with it, sure. Yeah. <laughs> like, what is Dan Campbell like? Um, is firing this coach, is that going to be like the spark for the Lions? Or is that just kind of like... Like, what is the move? It's like the second assistant that he's fired. Um, you know, it's desperation. They only had three wins last year. They're off to this one and six start. They lose these heartbreakers. You know, Jamal Williams, who, did you watch any of Hard Knocks this summer? Yeah, he was, I mean, he's like the emotional leader of the Lions. Well, remember that, that at one point in practice, Jamal Williams just starts screaming at his teammates in a big huddle, in a breakdown, and says, this is going to stop. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I'm working too hard for y'all, but you guys don't understand what it takes to win. 
you all got to work harder. Yeah. And it was very inspiring. And you thought, you know, the Lions might be 500 this year because they, they've got some talent there. And, you know, they look pretty damn good when they beat the Packers last year. Even though you pulled Rodgers off the field and put in love, they look good. They, you know, they've got some, some spark to them. So Aubrey Pleasant is a guy, you know, high school in Flint, Michigan, commits to Wisconsin, plays there for three years as a safety, gets into Michigan as a assistant defensive backs coach, and then the NFL with the Browns, with Washington, a couple of years with with the Rams. I think he might have been out there with Lafleur for one year, and then he's been, you know, Dan's defensive back coach. Dan Campbell's got all these, you know, former players like Mark Brunel, the former quarterback who was with you know the Packers for a few years before he went on to become a, a star for the Jaguars. He's the quarterback's coach. And and then, you know, this is typical Lions, though. They've got a previously scheduled uh, player who, who's got to go out there before the press. And this guy is just finding out, this linebacker, Alex Elizon, uh, to, hey, we just fired Aubrey Pleasant, the defensive back coach. How do you think about What do you think about that? Um, I mean, I can really only speak for myself. I think it's it's disappointing just to, you know, be in this situation and uh, knowing AP and getting known the last two years. It's it's tough to see someone lose a job that you know he has a family. I think his wife's pregnant. He has a little one. Um, it's a tough business, and you know you just have to trust Dan made the right decision. You know, you, you as a player, you always want to look yourself in the mirror and say, you know, what did what can I do or what did I do to you know, being the circumstance, but at the same time, you just have to continue to move forward. And, you know, there is hope and there is optimism that we will turn this around and because we have to. It's a cutthroat league, Mike, especially when you're losing. Yeah. So that means like, you know, Will Harris and Kirby Joseph is the safety and Deshaun Elliott, you know, uh, these guys, obviously now they're on their own. They're going to step it up They're And they're not hiring somebody in. They're just going to promote, you know, a, a guy because, you know, the Fords are probably said, "Here's how much money you got." No, we're not. We're not adding to the budget for this year. Thank you mm-hmm. very much. In the meantime, you got plenty of drama going on in Green Bay. I mean, it, you know, in the NFL, when you lose three years in a row, they start warming up the hot seat for a coach, and you've lost four games in a row. Uh, and so you go to Dean Lowry, who's not used to this from the last three years. You know, you had a record of 15 win, consecutive wins in Lambeau Field. That's broken. You had a head coach that never had back-to-back losses in the regular season for three years. That's broken. And you'll ask, ask the Lowry, how do you guys break this, uh, snap this four-game losing streak? The biggest spark will come from just winning a game and versus bringing in one player, and that's what we're focused on. We think that if we can get one win, we can you know, string it together and get some momentum back on our side. That's been the big talk in the locker room this week, Mike, right? Just finding that one win. Yeah, and obviously... I think they understand. Since the last time they saw the Lions, they beat them. Um, they they think these guys are dangerous, one and six, and dangerous. And you know we can't get more than seventeen points up on the board. And 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 forget about the fact that the Lions' defense is ranked thirty second in the league. We don't have our act together. And Robert Tunyon asked was asked, okay, you didn't do anything in the draft. Do you guys have enough healthy enough guys to, to even beat the Lions this weekend? It just takes one. It takes one win to get back rolling, get back feeling good, and get you know everyone back on the right track. The people in this room, in this locker room, all have it. So I'm not really too worried about them getting down on themselves or making a big deal about it. I think we have the right men in this room to just go out there and just kind of, you know, next game, next play.
It's kind of the message that Brian Gutekunst sent, right? Like, I believe in this team. I didn't, I didn't sell. I didn't buy. I have the guys in the room to do it. I think that's the, the theme. Well, we've, there's numerous reports, numerous solid sources that say that the Packers had a second-round pick up there at 8 a.m. on Tuesday morning for Mike Tomlin and the Steelers to get Chase Claypool to come to Green Bay. And hours later, the Bears come back with that second-round pick. Theirs probably will be higher by the way the Bears are going, and they just, you know, they just traded away uh, Roquan Smith. So obviously, clearly Chicago's in rebuild mode. And so the Steelers like, yeah, we'd rather send them to the Bears in Green Bay, and that's what they did. But Chase Claypool is, is an anger management problem, and Mike Tomlin has been trying to get rid of him really for a year. He's been out there on the market. So good luck, Chicago. And there's people that don't even understand – Okay, so he, wait a minute. Claypool's got like a year and a half left on his deal. If you're in rebuilding mode, why aren't you hanging on to your draft picks and just get a new kid next year? You know, if it's, if it's a two-year, three-year rebuild program, and, and pay him rookie money. Because in a year and a half, Claypool's going to want $25 million or something. Yeah. So there's people that really questioning Chicago's move on that. Now, as for your receivers, you got Randall Cobb and IR. You got uh, you got uh, Sammy uh, Watkins, who's you know been dealing with the hamstring, but was, went a little bit against the Bills. Al Lazard, he had a shoulder injury; uh, he was limited in practice yesterday. Christian Watson, you know, uh, had that helmet-to-helmet collision. So now you're down to Romeo Dobbs, and then came to this situation about a week ago at this time, where I know that Rogers was. You know, lobbying to have let's put in experienced guys. Let's bring up Jawan Winfrey, put him on the roster. You'd have to do that at this point because they'd already brought him up three times. Or Travis Fulgram, a former Eagles receiver who caught about 400 yards with the passes from Nick Foles a couple of years ago. Put guys that have played in the game. But you know, Samari uh, Torrey had that touchdown that Collingsworth even pointed out on the air. Like, look how he makes that break to the open spot of the end zone. That's what Rodgers is looking for is that, that in-route adjustment. Go to the open spot, and he hits him for a touchdown. And so, you know, Rodgers was impressed by that, and he was asked, what improvements have you seen from your third wide receiver you picked in the draft in the seventh round, Samari Torre? I've seen his practice have us improve. Um, I nicknamed him uh, Captain Casual in training camp as a way to uh, maybe encourage him to start practicing with a little different type of tempo, practicing like a pro. And I don't think he really appreciated that nickname. I mean, who would? Um, but it was, you know, it's gone from a nickname that was legitimate to, to more of a joke now because his practice habits have really picked up, and I've been impressed with him. And, you know, I had a conversation with him about how I thought it was legitimate and uh, – and needed to be uh, a sure thing that he was suiting up by midseason and playing meaningful minutes for us because I, I felt like his ability level is that. But I said, you know, you got to start practicing better. You know, you got to show it to us in practice. And I really feel like the last three weeks he's had really nice practices, you know, going on the look team with Jay and making a lot of plays. And then when he gets opportunities with the first team, uh, not having a drop-off in uh, production or approach. And so you know, I give him a lot of credit for that. There's a, there's a real thing as a rookie wall that everybody hits, and maybe he hit it early in the season because he's been, he's been practicing the right way. Captain Casual. We've all got him. We've got one at the station, right? Yeah. I'm looking at him right now. 
No, it's not Rowdy. Rowdy's more like Captain. I'm going to kick your ass if you step out of line. It's Captain well, Casual. JFK. He's ass. Captain Casual. JFK. You don't know him. Yeah, that's no. That's the mode that your head coach is in right now. <laughs> and you know, he it's was his asked today, by the way. a number of times, like, well, you know, didn't you check with Goody? I mean, weren't you interested? Weren't you? And he says, I'm telling you, on Tuesday, I'm I've got to try and figure out a way to beat the one and six lines at Ford Field because I can't let that one. I'm not going to go to a five-game losing streak, and here's what where LaFleur's head is at this week. I believe in doing the best that we can today and then work on tomorrow and taking it one game at a time. And that's the approach that we've taken since day one. I know we're in a little bit of a hole right now, but the approach is not going to change in terms of the mindset. We've got an NSC North opponent that they know us well, we know them well. There's been some great battles. They beat us last year in Ford Field at their place in the last game of the regular season. So, you know, you can throw the records out the window, in my opinion. I mean, it's the NFL. It doesn't matter who you play. If you don't play your best, you're going to get your ass kicked. (laughs) Yeah, you're right, Mike. He dropped it at the end there, man. Uh Captain, Uh I'm going to kick your ass. Matt LaFleur, look at that. What are you thinking, Mike? What are you thinking on Sunday? Uh, I... I'm telling you, I, I guess they're going to try and put together some kind of a, a passing offense. Uh, although the run one, you know, it seems to be that you know the runs that they ran against the Bills to me was the most impressive drives that they they've had for most of this season. Yeah. Um, except for the one where they you know threw the touchdown to uh, Mercedes Lewis a couple of weeks ago, and that was a nice uh, a nice trick play that they set up in the red zone. Um, but you know the, the Lions are a dangerous and hungry team, and and they lead. They 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 score like thirty five points a game in, in, in at Ford Field. Yeah. And they 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 put some points up, and so you know if the Packers aren't careful, there could be one or two plays that slip it and have the Lions you know winning by three, Man. which would you know. Yeah, and Monday's going to be fun. It, that's when the tiki torches show up at Lambeau yep. Field. Mike, we love you, man. Uh, good stuff, as always. Mike Clemens, NFL on Twitter. We love you, Mike. Thanks, Evo. See you, buddy.